Good morning. I'm so glad to be up here speaking to you this morning. It's so exciting. Um, I love this church. I love, I love you. I love these people. So it's an honor to be up here to be sharing this morning. Um, we are continuing a series that Pastor Andy started last week, Two Words That Can Change Your Life. Uh, he kicked that off last week. And who can remember what the two words are that can change your life? Anyone? Thank you. You guys are listening. Nice work. You, gold star. Good job. Thank you. That's right. So this month at High Point, we're talking about gratitude. We're talking about thankfulness and the foundational importance that they have to our lives. So just a quick recap. Andy's uh, two, two of the important things Andy said last week were, number one, what comes out of your mouth precedes what comes out of your life. In other words, sometimes we have to declare thankfulness before necessarily we feel thankfulness. Sometimes we have to express gratitude even when we feel like our circumstances don't maybe reflect a whole lot to be thankful about yet. And the other thing he shared was that thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness is a choice, which is true. Um, a lot of times uh, God calls us to, to choose gratitude, to choose thankfulness, even in the midst of of less than ideal circumstances. Unfortunately, you probably know this, we don't get to choose a lot of what happens to us in life. Probably we don't get to choose most of what happens to us in life. And often, the only choice that you or I have in a situation is how we respond to it, right, is our attitude. And so we are called um, to be thankful. And in fact, the Bible says in multiple places that giving thanks is God's will for your life. So if you're in a place where you're like, Lord, I don't know your will for my life. Will you direct me? Will you guide me? Well, let me help you here and tell you that, that one thing that for certain is God's will straight up multiple times repeated in Scripture for your life is thankfulness, is to always be giving thanks. That's God's will for your life. Last week, uh, Andy read a passage out of Psalm 100, and I want to revisit a couple of those verses before we pray. This is Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, and the, the word says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. I love that last part, and it's easy to just gloss over it, but I just want to look at that verse, verse 5 again. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. Our difficulties, our sicknesses, our things that we go through, those don't endure forever. The love of God endures forever, and his faithfulness, the word says, continues throughout all generations. So with that in mind, will you pray with me as we get going this morning? God, we do come to you with hearts of gratitude and thankfulness, that you are good, that you love us, that you chose us to be yours. So God, would you speak to us this morning? Can we learn from you? Would you instruct us from your word to how to walk out this life, this life with you, and this life full of thanksgiving and gratitude? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all good? Everybody happy? Ready? All right, let's do it. So we all know, right, that thankfulness is a good thing right? We know that. I mean, we actually do have a whole holiday around it coming up. And it is not just about gorging 
on you know, turkey and green bean casserole and watching football. It is about taking a minute to think about what we're thankful for. So we know that Thanksgiving is important. There's a lot of messaging in our culture right now about gratitude. You know, when you go into, you know, Hobby Lobby, there's all these signs that you can buy for your house that say, thankful, you know, and like beautiful cursive script. And any, uh, any, ha- any um, social media post you see, is a lot of times it's going to say, hashtag blessed, you know. I got the last parking spot in front of Target, hashtag blessed. Thank you, Jesus, right? Hashtag blessed, right? <laughs> so Jason and I, we kind of joke with each other now because we feel like maybe that's a little overused sometimes. So when, like, the minorest good thing happens to us, we'll just be like, hashtag blessed. Just so, just so, yeah, just us. It's fine. It's a little thing we do. So there's a lot in our culture about gratitude. In fact, there's a developing field of research called gratitude science, wherein researchers are finding that there is a real difference and benefit in the lives of people who practice gratitude. Research studies have found that when people are deliberately thinking of, listing, writing out, naming things that they're grateful for, they're healthier, they visit the doctor less, and they're even in general just happier about their lives. In fact, when you do MRIs of people who practice gratitude and people who don't, people who are just kind of living normal whatever, the brain chemistry and the brain structure of people who practice gratitude looks different in an MRI. Isn't that weird? Crazy, huh? So we know that gratitude and thanksgiving are important. But thankfulness is not just another habit or another mindset that um, you need to add to your life. It's not just one more thing to add to your to-do list, you know, floss, exercise, name three things that I'm grateful for. That's a good thing to do, but at its root, and what we're going to talk about today, is that thankfulness is actually a spiritual condition of your heart. It's something that starts before you can implement it into your daily routine. Thankfulness is actually something that God does in our hearts when we receive Jesus as Lord. And so we're going to look at the scripture this morning, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. We're going to come back to this uh, a few times this morning. So this is what Paul says in Colossians 2. He says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And there's a lot there that he's instructing us about what to do and how to live. But what can we learn about this passage? Now, when we look at a verse of Scripture, you've probably heard us say this before, it's always helpful to look, when you're reading a passage, above and below the passage that you're reading. Because it's important to know the context. What is he actually talking about? Who is he talking to? What's the larger subject here that he's looking at? So, when you do that with this Colossians chapter 2 and the chapters around it, Paul is talking to a group of believers who are the subject of a lot of, there's a lot of confusion in this early church and in this kind of growing and new group of believers. There's a lot of competing philosophies and mindsets and teaching that they're getting that's telling them, okay, to stay with God and to follow God, you've got to accept this really complicated philosophy and you've got to follow these really uh, intricate rituals, and you've got to pray this certain way. And when you research what they were dealing with, they had a lot of really complex uh, 
philosophies that they were being, that were kind of man-made about how to live and how to follow God. And Paul is telling them in verses 6 and 7, hey, 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 just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord in faith, right? You came to him and you brought nothing but your acknowledging your sin and, and your need to repent. That's all you had. That's all you brought to him. Just as you started out, continue to follow him in that way. He says, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. So he's talking to them about, remember how you received Christ through faith and not works. And so that's what I want to say to you as we start this conversation. Remember how you received Christ. All these things we're going to talk about today, gratitude, thanksgiving, implementing those into your life, they're important. And in fact, it's the will of God for your life. But as we do that, we have to start by remembering how we got here in the first place. And that was by simply putting our faith in Jesus Christ and letting our lives be established on the foundation of his truth and letting our hearts be rooted in his love for us. So Paul says that when we do this, when you let yourself be established and rooted, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with, thank with thankfulness. So, what can we learn from this? We can learn that when we walk with and love Jesus, thankfulness is the result. When you and I walk with and love Jesus, thankfulness is actually the result. It's like a byproduct of walking with God. So, a moment ago when I said thankfulness is a spiritual condition of your heart, before it's a gratitude journal that you start, before it's a sign you have in your home, before it's a hashtag on your Instagram post, um, Thankfulness is a spiritual result of putting your trust and your hope in Jesus. So when, you, when we allow Jesus to establish himself in our lives and in our hearts, thankfulness is an outlook and an attitude that results. So is it a habit and is it a choice like, like Andy talked about last week? Absolutely it's a choice. In the moment, you and I have to make a decision to choose to be thankful when maybe we don't want to be right? But first, before it is a choice, it's a spiritual shift that happens in your life as a result of knowing Jesus. So if you're in a place this morning where you're not sure where you stand with the Lord, where you're not maybe confident that he has established his truth and his love in your heart, then that's where we start, and that's where we begin. Because otherwise, I can say thank you, and I can I can try to live with gratitude, but where it really begins is something that God does deep within me. As a result of knowing and loving him, thankfulness is a result. So knowing that, laying that as our foundation, how can thankfulness play out in my everyday life? See, I'm a very kind of practical-minded person. When I read scripture or when I read something that sounds so kind of like spiritual and ethereal, I think, okay, I love that. That sounds beautiful, but like how do I actually do that? So when Paul says in, in Colossians, you know, be rooted in, in his love and be established in the faith, and I'm like, yeah, 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 that's good. How do, how do I do that? How do I do that when people are really driving me crazy? How do I do that when I'm driving myself crazy? So with that practical spirit in mind this morning, I want to talk to us for a few moments about gratitude killers, right, in our relationships. Because I think a lot of times where we can have a hard time expressing thankfulness and being thankful 
is not when we're singing beautiful songs in church and not when we're, you know, looking out at a beautiful landscape or at the beach. It's kind of easy to be thankful then. It's easy to be thankful when I just am sitting here by myself and I can be like, man, I'm pretty great. Like, wow, thank you, God, for me. No, I don't really do that. Um, How do we do it? How do we express gratitude in the nitty-gritty, in the everyday, in the people that you're rubbing up against day in and day out, in relationships closest to you? If God's will is for me to be thankful, then that's where it counts for me. That's where I have to, am I expressing thankfulness for my kids, for my family, for my friends, for the people I work with? So I want to talk about two things that I believe are gratitude killers in relationships. And that if we can be aware of and begin to um, allow, submit these things to God, we can see a real shift in the way we live and in the way we interact with people. So the first one is expectations. <laughs> I know. I feel like, do we just need to take a minute? Yeah. All right. That's fine. Expectations. Now, in relationships, this is a biggie. Sometimes... On Saturdays, we don't have our family. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to get up. Not every Saturday, but some. Y'all have y'all ever have Saturdays like that? Some of you are like, it's been a long time. I know, but sometimes it's a blessed, blessed event when I don't have to go anywhere or be anywhere. And Grace, our youngest, she's the only one that would probably ever come in in the morning and bug us anymore. She knows because I tell her the night before, don't you know don't do it so on those mornings we get to sleep in and some mornings we usually Jason gets up before me and he will and I'll just be reading or saying bed and read or whatever and he will bring me a lot of times a hot cup of tea I drink tea every morning it's a leftover habit from when we lived in Australia and he brings me a cup of tea it's the best it's the nicest thing to just have that brought to me and sometimes you guys sometimes I'm still asleep and I wake up, and you know, I'm just like, picture, picture like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, because that's basically what's happening. There's like birds, like doing my hair, and I wake up, and I stretch, and I, t- I roll over, and there's already a hot cup of tea on my bedside table. He snuck in while I was asleep, put it in there, and I'm like, am I a princess right now? And I didn't know? So it's amazing. It's the best thing, and I'm so thankful. But sometimes... Y'all know what I'm about to say? Yeah, well, sometimes he forgets. And see, it happens. It is true. Sometimes, see, he does that repeatedly, and I'm thankful for it. And then eventually, it just kind of becomes something that he does for me. And I start to what? Expect it. And then what happens when there's some mornings, he gets up, I stay in bed, some time goes by, I keep thinking, I don't, he's not come back, so there's no tea. I text him, I text him the tea and the praying hands emoji. We all know what that means, right? Tea, please. No response, and then so finally I'm like, (sighs) I get out of bed, I walk in the kitchen, I flick the kettle on, and I give him my best side eye, which if you know Jason, he is impervious to side eye. He just doesn't even see it. He's just like, oh, hey, good morning. So. Now, this is a silly but real-life example, right, of how 
what we were once thankful for simply becomes something we just expect someone to do or to be for us, right? And so we were once grateful for it and thought it was so wonderful, and then eventually it just becomes, yeah, this is just like a transaction. This is just that thing that you do for me. Now, I work part-time for my brother-in-law's company, and I kind of do some office managery, administrative stuff. And one of the things that I do for them, and we, they just moved a year ago, we just moved to this new office and this fancy kitchen and break room. And so one of the things that I did and do was I stocked the break room with all these snacks and like they made lists of all the stuff that they love to have, right? So I went and I like, y'all, it was like a lot. I bought all these like treats and snacks and things they wanted. They were so excited. Well, now it's been a year. Okay, and I'm still doing it every week. I'm happy to do it. I'm a nice person, Andy. I like to help people. <laughs> I like to make them happy. And now there's a little whiteboard in that office. When, when things are low, when we're low on coffee or whatever, people write it down. Well, they've started writing like these very specific, kind of obscure snacks that they would like me to get them. And y'all, I do, I try. I try, but it's not gonna happen. It can't happen every week. I got other things in my life happening, right? So sometimes I just don't get what they wanted. And then sometimes on that whiteboard, it'll get written again, but this time in all caps. And wait for it, underlined. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and in that moment, I walk into that kitchen. I've been to Costco. I've been to, you know, wherever. I see that and I'm just like, Jesus, be near. Be near to me in this moment so I don't go off on these 24-year-olds. No offense to any 24-year-olds. All right? Now, anyway, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But there again, we see, what are we seeing? Expectation. What started out is like this, oh my gosh, I can't believe this amazing treat that we have in our office break room has become where is my 5% coconut milk uh, raspberry flavored yogurt, you know, type of thing. Okay, so expectations can turn our relationships into a series of transactions. Think about that. Now, I've told some goofy stories, and this can apply not only in a marriage, although we certainly see it there. It can apply at work. It can apply in friendships, family, with your parents, with your children, if we don't, if we're not self-aware enough, our expectations for our relationships can move from, hey, this is just things that we want to do to bless each other, to hang on a second, a series of transactions. And then, let's say Jason brings me tea every single morning, you know, which would be awesome, by the way, but it's fine. Let's see, Jason, bring, let's say he brings me tea every single morning. He is only, by doing that, brought himself up to baseline by fulfilling my expectation. Well, fine, that's great. I already expected you to do that. What else she got for me, right? What else she going to do bring, to bring it up over? Several years ago, we heard um, Pastor Andy Stanley in a, in a talk on marriage make this point, and it forever changed the way that I thought about our relationship because marriage or not, wherever you are in life, wherever your relationships are, expectations can play a role. But see, when I'm living my life, like we talked about in Colossians 2, rooted and grounded in the love of, of Jesus, the people that I love in my life are free to be who they are. 
and I release them from keeping me happy by fulfilling all my hopes and desires. Now, we can spend a lifetime maturing in that. Because, yeah, we need people, and we want people to do nice things for us. But when my uh, foundation is in the love and truth of Jesus, I'm not so reliant, and my expectations and my relationships aren't so heavily weighted and tied to my happiness. Does that make sense? So do you see how then expectations can be a real gratitude killer in relationships? Because i got to tell you, when I walk in the op- that office and I see those things on that whiteboard, I think some not-so-gracious things in my heart, okay? It's fine. I'm getting over it. I'm working on it. And when they do underline it in all caps, I just erase it again. And I'm like, you know what? Bring it. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> it's totally. I am, I'm nice usually. It's fine. So, so, so then how do we approach this? Well, in John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. Boom. He doesn't say expect, have a list of transactional expectations that you have in your relationship. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So with that in mind, think about your close relationships. Do you place expectations on them and then find yourself either indifferent when those expectations are met? Oh, good. He's that he or she, they've done what I expected them to do, or irritated when they aren't. Like me, when I come out of the bedroom and I've turned that kettle on and I'm just like, fine, it's fine. I can make my own. It's really fine. (laughs) When was the last time that you felt truly grateful for people just being who God had made them to be with no expectation of them doing anything for you? Let 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 me just say that again. When was the last time you felt grateful for the people in your life just being who they are, who God made them to be, with no expectation of what they were going to do for you? Because, spoiler alert, that's how God feels about you. That's how God sees you. Jesus said in John 13, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You know, God, Jesus, all he does is love you. And in that love, of course, he refines us, he teaches us, he leads us and corrects us. He doesn't have transactional expectations out of his relationship with you and with me. He just loves us. He just sees who we are because he made us that way. He finds delight and joy in it. He thinks we're hilarious, maybe when, in spite of us sometimes. That's the delight that God takes in us. And he says, as I've loved you, you, you need to love others. So that's how he wants us to live. So we see how expectations can be a gratitude killer. Now, before I move on, I want to make a big uh, caveat. I want to make a big kind of like pay attention to this. So talking about expectations, when I talk about releasing people from expectations, I'm not talking, here's what I'm not talking about, okay? I am not talking about giving up the right to be treated well in a relationship. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Expectations, unfair expectations can be dangerous 
in a relationship because it can dry it out really quick and it can fill it with bitterness and just kind of, like I said, this transactional quality. But when I talk about expectations, I'm not talking about the expectation to be treated well in a relationship, either a romantic relationship, a friendship, any kind of relationship. As a child of God, now really, I feel like, I really feel the impression of the Holy Spirit that some of us need to hear this this morning. As a child of God, every one of us deserves to feel safe, to feel valued, and deserves to be treated as a person of worth in your relationships. So if you found yourself in an abusive situation in a relationship, physically abusive, uh, emotionally, mentally, or in a relationship where you are just repeatedly taken advantage of, I'm not advocating that you remain in that and just, oh, release your expectations of being treated well. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. And I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. I'm also not saying that you don't address inappropriate or hurtful behavior in a relationship. Because you definitely should. That's right. Get that whiteboard out. Underline it multiple times. Okay, y'all hear what I'm saying? I spend a lot of time talking to my kids, especially my oldest, about knowing who you are and knowing your worth, especially her as a young woman, and knowing how you ought to be treated in a relationship. And some of us didn't get that memo growing up and still allow sometimes things to go on in relationships. And so I just want to be clear in talking about gratitude killers and expectations, that's a whole other category. You got that? Does that make sense? So part of being rooted, in, like Colossians 2, rooted in the love of Jesus, growing up in him means knowing what you're worth, means knowing your value, and means knowing how you deserve to be treated. You got that? Especially you young people. I hope that you're hearing me on that this morning. Okay, so expectations. That's number one. What are your expectations, and are they sucking the gratitude and the thankfulness out of your life? The second one we're going to talk about today is familiarity. This is somehow relate, somewhat related to expectations. Getting, I mean, and it's getting, being familiar with the people you're relating with is just normal. You're with them all the time, right? It's just, it's not in itself necessarily a bad thing, but familiarity can cause us to be super casual about the people that God has put in our life, our own children, if you're married, your spouse, people that, your close friends, people that you love. Familiarity can, familiarity can happen in almost any relationship. Now, here's a definition that I'm giving today that's relevant to our discussion. Familiarity is taking the God-given and treating it as common. Familiarity takes what's God-given to you and treats it as just a common thing. We can see this clearly in the Gospels. This even happened to Jesus. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you, right? Let's look at Matthew 13, 54 to 57. It says, Coming to his hometown, he, that's Jesus, began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. And Jesus later in that passage goes on to say, a prophet is without honor in his own home, in his own town, 
in his own home. So even Jesus is like, look, these people have known me all my life, and they are watching him before their eyes do miracles, things that have no explanation outside of the, the, the miraculous power of God. And even then they're like, hang on a second. That's just Jesus. That's Joseph's boy. He's a carpenter. Like, we went to school together. You know, I beat him in the spelling bee that one year. Like, we know him. And it says, not only did they just doubt him or whatever, it says they took offense at him. They were offended by the work of God unfolding before their very eyes, the miracles that, that no one could explain. It offended them. Why? Because he was just Jesus to them. He was just their neighbor. He was just that man that they had watched grow up. So, adopt those people adopting that attitude toward Jesus blocked them completely from accepting him as Messiah, even when they could see it taking place before their eyes. So what, the question for us then, is what God-given gifts, what God-given personality traits lie in the people that you love the most? What once drew you to them as a friend, as a partner, as, you know, what, were the, what was the thing that when you first met them, you were like, oh man, that is, that is an amazing thing about them. Because sometimes that thing becomes a thing that makes you roll your eyes. You know, my, for example, my mom is just the kindest, most gracious person ever. She's the kind of person that strangers will just t start talking to, right? So growing up, I remember waiting at the grocery checkout because the checker was just talking to her, you know, and like, that's actually a gift, right? That people just want to talk to her and want to be, and now it can easily become something that I'm overly familiar with, and I'm just like annoyed because I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, why do you have to be so nice to everyone? Stop. They surely have other friends, mom. Can we go? We have somewhere to be. Familiarity takes, what's, takes what is God-given and makes it common, where we just kind of throw it away. We don't see it anymore the same way that we used to. There's an old saying, you know, I'm sure you've heard it, familiarity breeds contempt, right? And if we're not care careful, that can bear out in our lives, where the things that we used to love about someone over time it just kind of dulls a little bit. And now we just kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. Either we're just like, we don't even notice it anymore, or it starts to get on our nerves a little bit. In the same way, think about the ways, if you've walked with God for a while, or you've been a believer, what are some ways over time that familiarity has played out in your walk with Jesus, in your relationship with God? Yeah, 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 that's just God. That's just what he does. He gives me peace. He loves me unconditionally. Blah, 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 blah. It's fine. If people that can physically see Jesus before their eyes and witness in the flesh miracles taking place, yet we're like, eh, how much more can we who can't see him in the flesh, who don't always necessarily witness miracles that defy explanation, how much more can we just be like, yeah, you know, that's just the creator, creator of the universe who saw me from before the creation of, 
of time and, and chose me and loves me, eh, no big. So we see how familiarity takes what's God-given. You know, your faith, your relationship with Jesus are given to you, are a gift. But sometimes we just treat it as common because simply we just grow used to it. So not only do we see this in our human relationships, we see it in our relationship with God as well. Expectation too. We just expect God, God, you're going to bail me out of this one again, you know? And then when he does heal us, when he does resolve a situation, he's just done what we expected of him. He's just, God has just brought himself up to baseline, right? What are you going to do now, God, to really impress me? So these two things, expectations and familiarity, these are the things that I really wanted to hone in on this morning because remember, how does this actually, I want to talk about how does this actually work out in the everyday and the nitty gritty? Well, those are two big things that can really just torpedo our attitudes of gratefulness and thanksgiving in our relationships. So my encouragement to each of us this morning is to take a minute and think about who are the people that God has put in my life and are there ways in which I've just grown to just expect them to be amazing. And so when they are, no big deal, right? Or how have I just gotten used to God's presence in my life in such a way that I don't even hardly notice it anymore? You know, I've been convicted lately as I've thought about this that often I treat those people that I love the most with the least care. Sometimes I am more kind and courteous to the person at Starbucks than I am to my husband, to my kids, to the people, to my parents, the people that I love the most. You know, I'll put my order in Starbucks. I make an effort to like make eye contact and to smile and how's your day going? And like, sometimes I'll put more energy into those interactions than I do my husband who I've been married to for 20 years. Like, I mean, they did bring me what I ordered. They did bring me tea, so. Don't know. There could be a correlation. I don't know what it's like. But you guys know what I'm saying, right? We can motivate ourselves more sometimes with people who are on the periphery of our lives. So our challenge today is we're in this season of hashtag blessed and thankful and grateful is let's do a little check of ourselves. Number one, thanksgiving and thankfulness is a spiritual condition of your heart. So is your heart surrender to Jesus are you established or are you being established in the faith now let me just say we don't have time to get into it but that's something that God does in your life you don't establish yourself in the faith the scripture says that God establishes you in him have you allowed him to do that and if you have then thankfulness is a byproduct a result of that that can begin to be expressed in your life so I want us to take a minute. We're going to pray. And just take a minute. If you have allowed familiarity with people or God, if you, had, if you have allowed expectations in your relationships to kind of harden your heart towards those people, we're going to take a moment and just repent. Ask God to forgive us. Ask him to reestablish in us a spirit of gratitude towards, gosh, all the 
all the incredible people that are in our lives, the people that he's entrusted to us to love and to be in relationship with. You know, relationships are the only thing we take with us into eternity. There's nothing else in this earth that's eternal except our relationships with people. That's what we got. And so let's steward them well. Let's be gracious and grateful. And let's remember that the little irritations that will happen from day to day, those pale in comparison to the gifts of God that are in the people around you, that he's calling you to love. So can we stand? I just want to pray for us. If you, I just want to take a minute because that, that passage in Colossians says, remember how you received Jesus. It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to follow him. So if you can just close your eyes, I want you to just remember. It says, just as you received Jesus. I want you to remember how you received Jesus as Lord. Remember the condition of your heart at that time, that you were grateful and open to him. And if you're at a point where you haven't received Jesus as Lord, and you would like to do that this morning. Just pray, pray in your heart with me. Jesus, I thank you that you loved me before I loved you, that you saw me and knew me before I saw you. Lord, would you come in to my heart this morning? Lord, I'm sorry for trying to go it my own way. God, I repent for following my own selfish ambition or desire. And Lord, I acknowledge today my need for you. I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. I need your healing. That I need you to come, Lord, and make this broken place whole. So God, would you come into my heart? Would you establish me in your truth? Would you root me down into your love this morning? In Jesus' name. Lord, would you help us, God, even as faces maybe are flashing across our minds of people you've put in our lives, that maybe we have put expectations on them that are unfair, that are not from you, that have caused us to just discount the wonderful things they do. Lord, if we've reduced our relationships to transactions, I do this for you, you do that for me, everybody's on equal ground. Lord, forgive us for that. Forgive us for the ways that we just discount who you've put in our lives. Lord, forgive us for the times that we're overly familiar, that we don't see the beauty in people, that we treat what's God-given as common. Lord, help us to remember. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've done that to you. Open our minds, open our hearts, and Lord, Help us to express thanksgiving and gratitude every day with the people that we love the most. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we close, the church I grew up in, every Sunday the pastor would pronounce a benediction over the people. And benediction is just another word for blessing. But he would have everybody stand, and he would stand before the 
the congregation and he would pronounce the words of God. And it was meant to be like, okay, we've heard the word, we've received the word. Now I'm going to bless you and go, right? Go out into the world. So I want to do that this morning. And even as a kid, I always felt like that was like a sacred moment. It was like, gather the troops. All right, guys, we're going to get out there. We're going to love Jesus, right? It was like this powerful moment. But it's the word of God. And I do believe that there's something holy and sacred about receiving God's word as we go out from this place. And so that's what I want to do this morning. So if you're comfortable, I just want you to, to, to hold out your hands. This isn't for me, or I don't have any special zapping power, but it's just to, sometimes our physical posture reflects our spiritual attitude, right? So when we hold out our hands to God, we're saying, I want to receive, God, what you have for me. So I'm going to read the words of God to you this morning as our benediction. Always be thankful. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks to him through God the Father. And may the blessing of God the love of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit strengthen and encourage you as you go out from here to live lives of gratitude and service. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Be thankful. We love you and we'll see you next week. Thank you.